Hello and welcome to Hawkeye Nation. This is Hawkcast, your Iowa football, basketball, and recruiting podcast brought to you by Go Iowa Awesome and Rivals.com. I'm your recruiting analyst and host, Elliot Clough, at Elliot Clough on Twitter. Before we get started, make sure you subscribe. Leave that rate and review on Apple Podcasts wherever you're listening. If you have a question, you can drop that five-star review on Apple Podcasts and let us know there. Also, head over to iowa.rivals.com backslash subscribe so you can get premium content from us every day, not only in articles, but on our premium board as well. You can interact with myself, Adam, and Ross there. This Thursday episode, we're joined by Jason Turner, Utah State Aggies football beat writer from the Herald Journal. Jason uh, we appreciate you hopping on and and bearing with me. While I, for those of you who haven't heard, I'm I'm dealing with a little bit of a sickness right now. Got that resurgence resurgence of COVID going on. So so Jason, kind enough to to hop on uh, and record with us here while uh, I'm I'm in my cave and quarantining. Well, yeah, not not too many people think I'm kind. No, I'm just kidding. But yeah, you're, you're, welcome. you're welcome, Elliot. Awesome. Well, well, hey, Jason, for folks like Iowa fans, when it comes to group of five teams, there's there's just not a whole lot of knowledge uh, and, and let alone a group of five team that that's out west. There's not a whole lot of knowledge on on what the Aggies are going to be bringing to Iowa City come this Saturday. So what's your general outlook for this team this this season? Do you have high expectations what what or do they have high expectations? What are what are you seeing uh, from them this far? What do you expect to see from this from them this fall rather? Well, Elliot, I think a lot of Aggie fans are wondering that same question. <laughs> to be honest okay. with you, it's uh, I mean, there's just been so much roster turnover since last season. Uh, Fifty nine new players on 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 in the program this year, which is I want to say it's tied for the sixth most among all the FBS programs with, with Colorado state with mountain West rival Colorado state. So uh, there are a lot of unknowns going into the season opener against Iowa, but I, I mean, I will say this, I mean, Utah state, Utah state was kind of in outer darkness, the doldrums of a college football world for so many years, but then uh, an experience of the resurgence under uh, Gary Anderson about uh, 13, 14 years ago, uh, and so the Aggies, I mean, they, this is a this is a solid group of five program. They've been bowling every year except for two since 2011. Uh, won, a, won a Mountain West title two years ago. Last year was definitely a little bit of a slip. They were they were up and down, wildly inconsistent. Did go to a bowl game, but got beat standily by Memphis. Uh, so they went six and seven after the 11 and two season from 2021. So I think expectations are definitely a little bit tempered, especially with all, with all the roster turnover. Um, but you know what? Utah state in 2021, uh, had a lot of roster turnover, new head coach, uh, Blake Anderson hit the portal hard and those guys ended up coalescing really well. And, uh, we're pretty average. The first part of the season just managed to win close games, but then we're, we're, a, was a really good football team by the end of the 2021 season. So, uh, my expectations are personally tempered, but there are a lot of unknowns. I, I think I'll just put it like that. Now, when you say the 59 new players coming into the roster, is that was it a big 2023 recruiting class in terms of bringing in high school talent? Is it mostly uh, uh, tra- you mentioned transfers coming out of the portal? Is it mostly guys coming from that group of five level? Is it a mixture of group of five, power five, FCS? Where are they getting this this huge influx of 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 players from? Yeah, you know what? It's pretty balanced, actually. They did sign a lot of. Uh, 
high school kids uh, um, during the initial signing period. And then, uh, I mean, honestly, the Aggies lost a lot of guys, a lot of uh, guys to the transfer portal, a lot of guys that actually ended up at uh, Power 5 conference programs. And so they needed to restock uh, dur- after and during spring camp. And a lot of that was done through the transfer portal and through the jun- junior college ranks. A lot of junior college products in, in the 2022 re- 2023 recruiting class. But it, it's a good mix. They did sign a lot of high school kids as well. Now, when you look at the the influx of of talent, whether it's from JUCO high school or or other programs, are these players going to be ones that you expect to step in and contribute right away? Is it going to be a lot of new faces on the field this to start this season for the Aggies? Yeah, I, I think so. I mean, it's going to be a decent mix between returners, but uh, you look at Utah State's too deep, and I I'd have to go back and look at the story I wrote yesterday, but I want to say. There's at least 14 of the players on the two deep that are first year guys in the program. So I think the Aggies, anytime you go to the transfer portal and you pluck somebody, especially from a power five conference program, those guys are expected to come in and contribute immediately. And so, yeah, I'm expecting, uh, I'm expecting uh, transfer portal players to at least a handful of them to make a, a big impact this season. Now, when we're looking at the team, overall and I, I told you before we started recording this is going to be a little bit more general when you look at the team are there any two to three strengths that really stick out to you when it comes to this roster that you know a player maybe a, a position group that they're really going to lean on heavily this year to to bring them some success um you know what I think I really think the Aggies like Iowa have a, a pretty long standing history of strong special teams play. That's something that uh, the Aggies have had really good special teams play for the last four or five, six seasons. Um, you got a, their, their punter is any is entering their fourth season as the starter um, place kicker is a little bit of a question mark this year. They had a pretty good guy last year that uh, exhausted his eligibility. So that that's going to be a little bit of a kick, a little bit of a question mark though. I know, the guy handling kickoffs, he's got a strong leg. I think he's going to do well in, in that regard. But they do they do have some special teams weapons, uh, starting with Terrell Vaughn. Uh, guy was a junior college All-American a couple of years ago, came into the program last year, really, really finished strong the second half of the season, caught 56 passes, six touchdowns, and he had a 100-yard kickoff return to the house against Weber State, almost broke a couple of others. And then the Aggies brought in Micah Davis, who uh, was at Iowa Western last year, uh, helped the Reavers win a national championship there. He was a really good player at Air Force back in 2021 before transferring. I think the Aggies are anticipating some pretty explosive things from him in the punt and the kickoff return game. So I think I think special teams, they've got a really good long snapper. He's entering his third year as the starter. So I know that's uh, – I mean, I, I don't know. You you want your special teams play to be to – be, solid but I don't know if you necessarily want to lean on them but I think the Aggies can lean on their special teams units um I really think the wide receiver room is going to be a strength of the team this year though it's uh largely unproven talent uh other than Vaughn Vaughn like I said caught 56 passes last year um they have another really good slot receiver but he's kind of been injury prone during his collegiate career uh Kyle Van Leeuwen he uh the third game of the season last year, he tore his ACL. Uh, 
he looked really good in the second scrimmage. Uh, fall camp was closed for the Aggies, close to the public, so I only saw them during the two scrimmages. He looked really good in that second scrimmage. But I know the coaching staff is kind of moving him along slowly because, you know, he's coming off an ACL injury. Um, but yeah, you brought in uh, – you got Micah Davis in that room now. They brought in Colby Bowman, who's a graduate transfer from Stanford. Never never really played a lot there, played sparingly, but he was a highly regarded kid out of high school. And we're talking about a, a kid with some serious speed. He was a 200-meter state champion in high school in California. That's a, a track-rich state. So uh, the kid's got some – I call him kid because I'm 45. He's not really a kid, but <laughs> I don't know. But he's 6'2", he's got good hands, has speed. Um, Otto Tia is a guy I'm expecting to break out season from as a wide receiver. Big Big physical target at six foot four. He's listed at two fifteen. I, I thought he was going to break through last year. He didn't. So this this has to be the year I think for him. But I think the receiver room is going to be better. And I think a lot of that has to do with uh, head coach Blake Anderson is going to be calling the plays this year. I, last year I just don't think the Aggies really spread the field out like they wanted to, uh, and they didn't really. I don't think they they used all their playmakers, and that's something that Coach Anderson has uh, harped on constantly throughout fall camp. And so I think you're going to see a resurgence in that uh, position. I don't know. I don't think it's going to be quite like 2021. The Aggies had De- Devon Devin Tompkins and uh, Derek Wright, and those guys are both in the NFL made ask, made active rosters this week. So that that 2021 team had two future NFL wide receivers. I don't think you're going to have guys that are that good, but I I think the unit as a whole is going to be deeper. So I think those are going to be two strengths, two strengths of the team. And a defensive tackle, I think, is the interior of the Aggie defense. So long as those guys stay healthy, and that's going to be a big if, I think that's going to be a strength. Halle Matuakapuka, probably slaughtered his name there. Sorry, Halle. But uh, he's entering his third third year as, the, as a starting defensive tackle, and he's one of the best defensive tackles in the Mountain West. They've got another Pukesi Vakakua is back, and so is Seni Tukiao. Those are those were three of their top four defensive tackles a year ago, and all those guys are back. So, I think that unit's going to be going to be solid. Yeah, it, it sounds like a lot of Polynesian talent on the interior of the defensive line for for Utah State. Now, yeah, when... always a lot of Polynesian players here at USU. <laughs> right, right. There you go. Now, when we're talking about, uh, and we'll get to a, a few other things here momentarily, but but when we're talking about the um, these these strengths, it sounds like well, two of them are similar to Iowa's strengths. Of course, special teams always going to be a strength for Iowa with Lavar Woods leading that unit, and then the defensive line. Uh, it, it's one of the deepest positions on the uh, Iowa football squad. But one point that you made regarding the offense is that. Uh, Coach Anderson is going to be taking over play calling duties this season as well. Uh, what do you think about that? I know you mentioned you thought that they could have spread it out a little bit more last year. Is that something that you, um, I don't know, expect Coach Coach Anderson to do? Do you think that there's any negatives with with him taking over that play calling duty? Well, there's always one negative when it comes to a head coach being a coordinator. Um, I think Aggie fans saw that a few years ago. Matt Wells, the former head coach, was the offensive coordinator. Uh, yeah, he, uh, in addition to being the head coach, he was the offensive coordinator during the, two, during the 2016 season. And the Aggies, to be frank with you, grossly mismanaged the end of 
a couple of game situations during that season, including a situation against New Mexico at the end of the season in a close game in which they could have spiked the ball because it was it was third down, but uh, because he I, I really I think Coach Wells was wearing too many hats. Uh, they rushed the field goal unit on the field and uh, missed badly. I don't even think they got it off got it off on time anyway, but they missed it badly. They could have spiked the ball, so that's always a concern when the head coach is uh, wearing another hat. Is that uh, end of game situations will be mismanaged or even just in game situations because that's more responsibility on the head coach. Uh, I don't know. So we'll see. I think for, I think for the most part, this is the, this is going to be a positive move. Uh, coach Anderson was a, is a proven offensive coordinator did well. I, I, gosh, I'd have to, I, I believe it was NC state. He, he's had other stopping points as well as an offensive coordinator. His offenses have always fared well. So I, I think, I think it's a good move, but uh, we'll see. Hopefully for Utah state's uh, case, it doesn't involve any mismanagement in games. Now, when you're looking at the weaknesses for this team, I'm going to ask a similar question to the strengths, just those top two to three weaknesses for this team. I don't know if you would factor a thing like Anderson wearing multiple hats in there, but but what are those two to three weaknesses? If you were to look at this team be like, and have significant concern about particular well, how this team is 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 approaching games or or what they have on the field in terms of talent this year? Where are they gonna? Where are the expected weaknesses going to be? Well, I think for starters, one of the biggest concerning points is uh, Utah State lost its defensive coordinator Ephraim Banda took a job coaching safeties with the Cleveland Browns, and this happened back in late February, maybe even early March. So Anderson had to hire a new defensive coordinator right before spring camp and this new guy joe cotham uh, has it has a different scheme it's uh it's more complex there's more uh layers to it and so the defense uh had to learn a new scheme and not only a, a defense with several new guys in the program you know this defense returns uh, five starters but there's a lot of guys that weren't with this program last year and so i think there's definitely there were definitely a lot of growing pains during the spring and i, I think you even you saw that at times during the scrimmages. So, uh, how well are they going to? How well are they going to execute Co- Coach Cawthon's scheme as you know a first-year defense coordinator with so many new new guys on the program? That's that's one of the. I think that I don't know if it's a weakness, but it, it certainly could be. Um, another thing is the offensive line last year was eh, they were they were kind of average, uh, and they lost a they lost a few starters. They only have one guy who started every game last year they have a couple of guys who have started games in multiple games in a couple of seasons but uh you're looking at a pretty young and inexperienced offensive line and and that was wasn't really a strength of the team last year anyway so that would that would be another thing um I think a lack of lack of depth at certain positions on defense Uh, I think they have a couple of good linebackers but if a guy or two gets hurt are they going to have enough depth same way I would say another weakness is, uh, you know, they lost three def- their their three most productive defensive ends from a year ago were all at Power Five, or all graduate transfers and entered the portal and are now at Power Five conference programs. And so, you're going to be starting uh, all of your, with the exception of one guy, John Ward, who saw, they played sparingly in what 10, 11 games last year. All of your defensive ends are completely unproven at the FBS level. Wow. 
Yeah, that's uh, a lot lost <laughs> in, in one offseason. And a, to, to boot, you have that that level of turnover with bringing in new talent, but but also with uh, with with a new coach coming in and leading the defense. But when you, when you look at this game specifically, week one against Iowa, a team that's ranked in the AP top 25, What's what's the perception of of Iowa right now for for the Aggies for the fan base? What what's the expectations going into this game? Do they think that that the Aggies have a, a real shot to compete against Iowa in Iowa City this weekend? I think most I think most realistic fans definitely expect this to be a double digit loss. I think the reason some fans might be a little bit cautiously optimistic is Iowa has not really put up a lot of points offensively for several years now. So it's not like a lot of, you know, they're not necessarily blowing teams out. Um, but I, I mean, I think everybody knows how good, how good Iowa has been defensively. And I mean, you guys have, Iowa, you guys have already sold out the first six home games for the season. There's going to be 69 plus thousand people there. It's going to be a raucous, uh, loud environment. Uh, so I, I think realistically, Aggie fans just want to see the team be be competitive for four quarters. Because here's the thing. The Aggies played Alabama last year, and I don't think they entered that game with the right mindset. I think they entered the game thinking, okay, we're not going to compete with these guys. They used three different quarterbacks last year, and it had nothing to do with injuries. They substituted freely. They didn't even really try to win the game. Not that they were going to anyway, but it's just I don't think they went into that game with the right mindset. And so – that would be the biggest starting point is just entering this game, trying to compete to the best of your abilities, trying and do everything you can to win it, win a football game. Definitely. And, and when it comes to the Iowa side of things, when you're looking at this roster, when you're, have you written a preview or anything like that, Jason, have you looked at, at the Iowa roster in depth as to uh, what they're, they're bringing to the table this weekend? Yeah, I mean, I've, I've done some research on their, their returning starters they brought back, uh, some of the transfers they've added, uh, who they lost. Uh, well, I mean, losing two first-round draft picks, a second-round draft pick, and a third-round draft pick, that, that just speaks volumes for uh, Coach Ferentz and his ability to recruit, and, and, and he and his coaches have to develop players. So, uh, yeah, I mean, it, it seems like Iowa has some unknowns too, but this is also a program that's used to winning, so – Coach Anderson said during Monday's press conference, he, he wouldn't be surprised if there's another handful of guys untapped talent on Iowa's roster that could be, you know, future high-end draft picks. So I, I'll, I'm i going to do a little bit more research, but I, I do have an idea. Okay. When you look at the – and I'm just trying to get an idea of, of, of what – the uh, to reiterate what I said a little bit ago, the the perception of Iowa is to this point from the outside because from the inside, there's again, it's it's a word that you've said a few times about cautious optimism for the offense because well, the personnel has changed s- substantially, but the head man of the offense is still there in Brian Ferentz. And when you look at the the personnel that that Iowa brings to the table, do you have any concerns for for Utah State, or do you think that there's any point of attack they're really going to try to push on, on their players this this going into this Saturday's game? Of this is our strength, this is where we're going to take advantage of the Iowa offense or defense for that matter. I mean, I think the biggest 
the biggest concern for Utah State's defense. Uh, Blake Anderson said during his Monday press conference, he he kind of compared Iowa the way they play to the way Wyoming plays. I'm not, and he's not saying that Iowa and Wyoming are on the same and on the same wavelength, but uh, Wyoming plays smash mouth smash mouth football. They have big, strong offensive linemen and big, powerful backs, and quite frankly. Utah State did not handle their offense very well the, the previous two two to three seasons. Uh, and so that's a big concern. If uh, the Aggies struggled against the likes of Wyoming, how are they going to be able to slow down the rushing attack and not get dominated in the trenches by a team like Iowa? As, as, as far as uh, areas they Aggies might be able to, to attack, um, it's all going to come down to how well this offensive line coheses, how well they perform on Saturday. I think Cooper Cooper Lagat is a is a very capable quarterback. Bake plays both with his arm and arms and with his feet, tough as nails. He was a a two time state champion wrestler in high school. The kid's just a, he's a warrior, and I really think they have more offensive weapons to for him to get the ball to, and, and some some good running backs as well. But that offensive line is going to have to grow up and grow up fast because Iowa's going to bring the pressure and. Is he going to have time to make plays? Ugh, I, I I just don't know. Is this going to be? Are, are you going to be making the trip out to Iowa for the game? I'm not. I haven't. Uh, outside of like BYU, <laughs> I haven't made a non-conference road trip in, in a few years. It's something that the paper hasn't done. Too bad. I was gonna. I was gonna ask you about. Have you ever been to Iowa, Jason? I have not. I have. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> Now's the time, man. <laughs> I know. They. Th- this is. Frankly, this is the time of year to be in Logan, Utah, too. So, I, I, but yeah, it, it was it would have been fun to make the trip for sure. Sure, I made my case. That's all I can say. So, <laughs> <Fair enough. laughs> Jason Turner from the Herald Journal joining us on a Hotcast this Thursday. Jason, uh, we appreciate you hopping on. If people want to get a look at what you're you're uh, at the work you're doing to uh, preview the game to to give people an insight as to what the game's going to be like. Where can they go? They can go to, uh, well, my Twitter hand, my Twitter handle is HJ Trebek. And the newspaper website is hjnews.com. There you go. Go give him a follow on Twitter. He'll be following along the game. I'm sure this weekend as well. So we'll wrap it up there. Once again, my name is Elliot Clough, at Elliot Clough on Twitter. I'm the recruiting analyst at iowa.rivals.com. We appreciate you tuning in today to this episode of HotCast. So if you're not a premium subscriber yet, make sure you do that right now at iowa.rivals.com backslash subscribe. Don't forget to subscribe and leave a rate and review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you're listening as well. That helps us out a lot. So now, for now, we'll see you next time.